Hello everybody and welcome to Foodies Without Borders. I'm Ali, a food enthusiast from Italy but without borders inside the kitchen. In this podcast I talk about all things food from food science to culture, sustainability and more. Today we are talking about aperitivo and all its different variants uh, in the world but especially in the Mediterranean. So you better take your passport for this one because we are going on a journey and eating our way through the Mediterranean metaphorically unfortunately we cannot go physically um but yeah it will be a very interesting episode i think it's been very interesting to research for this topic and um i learned uh some new things that uh, i actually have never uh thought about so hopefully uh you can learn something interesting as well uh with this episode uh okay so Uh, without further ado, let's begin. At first, I wanted to talk about aperitivo because it is such a big part of uh, Italian culture and uh, it is something that I love and that I tend to miss uh, when I'm abroad. Just uh, uh, It's just a, a nice moment to share with your friends and it's just so um, representative of Uh, the connection between Italians and food because it, it is a moment of sharing and it's a moment of connection of uh, love you know with your friends or whoever you're having the aperitivo with and uh, it is a moment where you eat and drink together so I mean you can't get any more Italian than that <laughs> at least for what I think um And uh, when, I, when I started to think about this uh, episode and I started to think about aperitivo, I realized that there are some many, there are many similarities, uh, especially in uh, the Mediterranean, so Southern Europe uh, and the Middle East. And uh, some of these similarities uh, I was already aware of, um, but some of them really surprised me when I was um, researching this topic uh, for the episode. Uh, so we will talk about aperitivo in Italy first and how the actual aperitivo uh, was born and a bit of history and just what we do uh, in Italy and what we drink, what we eat uh, and just how our uh, aperitivo is structured. And then we will move to other countries and see what their own version of aperitivo is and we'll see that um, we all share uh, uh, many things and also uh, you know a lot of differences as well but uh, I find it really interesting to focus on the similarities because you know you really realize that we are all the same you know in a way especially in, in Europe you know where we share a lot of history Um, and even our cuisines are very similar, so I always find it very interesting. Okay, so let's start with Italy, because it is my playground, uh, it is, you know, where most of my knowledge comes from, and I feel like it's fair to start from that. So what is aperitivo? Now, if you don't know, aperitivo is basically, um, I wouldn't really call it a meal, but let's say it is a time of day, Um, it's sort of like a light meal. It is supposed to be a snack, but uh, sometimes it's a full-on meal that you have 
either before lunch or before dinner. Before dinner is um, is like the most common, but you can also have it uh, before lunch. And usually the times are like before lunch from 11 to 1 p.m., I guess. Uh, <laughs> but some places, uh, you know, go until 3 p.m. because it is basically a meal and people have it as a meal. And in the evening um, is usually from some places even 5 p.m. Uh, to, let's say, 8 or 9 p.m. In Italy, when you say aperitivo, what we mean is that you go and have a drink and you pay only for the drink, okay? So you, let's say you get an Aperol Spritz, which is the most mm, common drink to get for um, aperitivo. So it is about six euros uh, here in Italy. Uh, in some cities it is more expensive, but I would say the average price is six euros. So you would only pay those six euros, you know, or, you know, how many drinks you get after that. You would only pay what you drink, okay? So the, um, uh, the food that they bring uh, is included in the drink, basically. And sometimes if you go to a bar... Uh, during aperitivo time, even if you get like a bottle of water, uh, you would pay it more because the aperitivo is included. Um, it depend. It really depends on the place. Uh, some places like do not want you to get water. Like you need to get at least like a soda or something, or you get the water and you kind of pay for the like the charcuterie board or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, it's really the same thing, basically, you, you pay it more. Um, sometimes this is translated uh, wrongly with happy hour. I've seen it um, a lot in, like, tourist cities like Florence or Milan. Sometimes they ride uh, happy hour outside for tourists, but happy hour is different. Happy hour is when drinks cost less because it is happy hour uh, whilst aperitivo is like I said when drinks cost more uh, or sometimes or they cost the same but you just have the aperitivo included so it's not really the same thing if you see happy hour um, outside of a bar in Italy maybe ask because it might not be what you expect so when you go uh, and have aperitivo you order a drink and then they will bring out some food usually uh, this includes like it's sort of like a cheese and charcuterie board most of the times uh, sometimes they might have like pizza um, focaccia some sort of bread with like um, cold cuts cheese uh, maybe some sort of spread um, like olives pickles um, what else? Peanuts, <laughs> like roasted and salted peanuts is very common. Like chips and salsa is also quite common. Uh, nowadays, you have even more fancy uh, aperitivos. Uh, for example, if you go to a place where they make like an, a gourmet aperitivo, you might get like Maybe only three things per person, but they are more elaborate. Uh, I don't know. I have some. I have been to some places where they gave me like beef tartare and 
I don't know, some sort of like crostini with smoked salmon, <laughs> things like that, you know, so they can get more elaborate. And nowadays, especially in the north, because aperitivo is more mm, famous in the north, and I will talk about that um, later on in the episode, um, they are getting more and more creative. You can find like aperitivos with sushi, you can find like Mexican aperitivos, you can find Asian aperitivos with like sushi, as I said, or like baos, uh, spring rolls, things like that. Um, or you can find like southern uh, aperitivos with southern, I mean southern Italy, of course. They're usually more filling <laughs> and they're very good. And then you also have apericena. What is apericena? Apericena is a mixture of aperitivo and cena, which is dinner. So apericena is um, a lot of the times, uh, now I don't see it that much uh, after COVID, but it used to be usually a buffet. So apericena basically means that it's a bigger aperitivo and you can have dinner with it basically you get more food and sometimes um well not sometimes but usually it costs more uh maybe you can pay like 20 euros and you have you know the buffet or, or whatever they bring to the table um and it is a full meal basically so it's it's quite a good price i guess but yeah i feel like now uh pericena is not that common I don't know, especially amongst young people, I feel like aperitivo is just easier to find and, you know, it's less, uh, just less trouble to go through, I guess. So as I said, uh, in during aperitivo, you would only pay for the drink. And what are the drinks that people usually get in Italy? Well, uh, most of them are very famous worldwide. Um, First one, the most uh, famous one is um, the Aperol Spritz. Um, usually we just call it Spritz. Um, spritz can also be made with Campari. I prefer it, for example, or also like half Aperol, half Campari. I get it sometimes. I don't know if it's like <laughs> blasphemy or something for, for some people, um, but it is very good. If you like the taste of Campari, uh, and you, you like more bitter drinks, you would probably prefer a Campari Spritz. I find the Aperol Spritz to be like too sweet, um, too like just too light and it tastes a lot like orange to me. I don't know, <laughs> I just prefer it. Um, uh, and other drinks include the Negroni, Spagliato with Prosecco in it, okay, it's the very viral one at the moment. Uh, you would either get, let's say that a Negroni Sbagliato, so a, a wrong Negroni, uh, which has Prosecco in it instead of gin, uh, is more suitable for aperitivo, okay, because it is a bit lighter. But you can also get the normal Negroni. Um, that has gin in it. I do it. <laughs> you know, it is a strong cocktail, so just make your own, you know, decisions. Um, but usually the sbagliato is the, the more suitable one uh, for aperitivo. These cocktails bring me uh, to the history of aperitivo because uh, these cocktails were born in northern Italy, let's say. Well, the, uh, the classic Negroni was born in Florence, but the Negroni Sbagliato, which is associated with aperitivo, was born in Milan, and the Spritz was born 
in the region of Veneto. It's not really clear where or in which city, but you know, also aperitivo is um, it is a bit of a debate, I think, of where it was born. Definitely northern Italy. Um, some people say it was born in Turin, but uh, aperitivo is very big in Veneto, for example, because of the spritz, etc. So it really is a big part of northern culture. Um, I know that now it is spreading in the south as well, but it's just not as common and uh, it is less like elaborate, you know, when you go and have a aperitivo. And um, sometimes like um, when I had aperitivo in the south, uh, sometimes I had to buy the, the board, the aperitivo board, separately from from my drink like it's not um that common it's not as straightforward as it is in the north um so it really is um a big part of our northern culture and it's something that when you go um like in the city center uh at aperitivo time you will find lots and lots of people having aperitivo outside um or or inside if it's winter but it's such a nice time and uh, what I love about it is that it just it goes on and on and on like everything in Italy and I don't know anytime Italians eat you don't have a time limit it goes on and on and on and you know uh, as I as I already said it basically is like a substitution for dinner so you start even if you start at six you stay at the bar for like, I don't know, three hours. Maybe you get a couple of drinks. And um, this not all places do it. But for example, where I go, if you get another drink, they will bring out another board. So, you know, it's like you get a second round of everything. So, so that's great. Um, or you can also ask just to have the drink. If you want to, uh, you, you can specify that to the waiter. Um, but it's just an unlimited time frame, you know, for aperitivo. And I just love that because it is such a chill moment. I don't know, just the vibe that you get, uh, you know, being there with your friends, you have a drink, you eat something. And then the nice part about aperitivo is that you, you can get a little bit of everything, uh, you know, it's, it's just, I love it so much. I don't know if you do it like sometimes maybe before dinner. You cut some cheese, you have some olives, some pickles, and you're just, you know, snacking on that. Maybe you open up a bottle of wine or or soda if you don't drink or a beer. And it's just so, so nice. I don't know. I, I love it so much. And I think that is truly a symbol um, of what uh, Italian culture is and of our relationship with food and uh, what I was talking about in the previous episode. But now I want to start moving on the map a little bit. So we're still, we're staying in Italy, okay? We're not leaving Italy yet, but um, I wanted to talk about a specific kind of aperitivo or something that differs from the norm, let's say. And this is uh, aperitivo in Venice. Uh, in Venice, but in general in Veneto, I think. I'm not an expert on this. Um, um, it is something that is like specific and you know from Venice um, but 
what happens sometimes in Veneto is that you don't get an aperitivo board, but you buy um, like a few little dishes or tramezzini. Tramezzini are basically like sandwiches. <laughs> Usually they are like sandwiches on white bread without the crust. And they have very simple fillings like ham and cheese, egg salad, tuna salad. They're very simple, kind of like the sandwiches that you would get um, at an afternoon tea. Um, or you can buy these uh, little dishes that are a bit like tapas. And I will talk about tapas later on, but um, that is something that... Uh, you might recognize, you know, instantly if I mention tapas. It is a bit like that. And in Venice, they are called cicchetti. So cicchetti are these basically tapas. <laughs> if you know what tapas are, they're basically they're basically the same the same thing. Um, and they're very cheap. Usually they are between one and three euros. So very very cheap. Um, and you can get a few of them for the table. Usually they include like either like crostini with salted cod, uh, marinated olives, marinated sardines, meatballs, uh, fried squid, uh, fried polenta or polenta with like uh, some sort of stew on it. Sometimes it is um, squid stew or um, like cuttlefish stew. Uh, so, of course, we have lots of fish because Venice is on the sea. So you can get, you know, a variety of dishes. You know, you can get truly a bit of everything um, and try uh, very different flavors at the same time. And they are very cheap. And basically what you, what you would find in Venice um, are these little places that uh, basically only sell uh, cicchetti and you can have a drink and spritz is also uh, much cheaper in Veneto usually. Uh, in Venice, I don't know, because <laughs> it is a very tourist touristy city. But um, in some parts of Veneto and even in Milan, I think you can find some places where a spritz is a euro fifty, two euros, three euros, which is crazy cheap <laughs> if you think about it and very dangerous. Um, and then with one, two, three euros, you can get all these different dishes and you can basically have a feast. And when I started, um, you know, researching it, at, and I already knew what Cicchetti were and, you know, what they <laughs> included, but I had never thought about, like, I had, I had never thought about them associating them with tapas, you know? So when I was thinking about this episode and I started you know, making all of the connect all of the connections in my mind, I actually realized they are crazy similar to tapas. And now is the time where we move, you know, along the map. We move all the way over to Spain, which is not a long way, but you know, very similar culture. We share lots of similarities, lots of differences as well, of course, but um it is uh, you know, Italians love the Spanish. <laughs> Basically, that's the stereotype. Um, and tapas are very, very similar. So it, it is the same concept. You know, you buy these little dishes uh, that you can get. It's sort of like an appetizer. You know, it's always 
uh, you can either make that your meal or you can have that before a bigger meal, usually before dinner. So it is the same concept. But even the, um, the dishes themselves are very similar. Uh, so sardines, fish again, olives, cheese, charcuterie, always served with bread, of course. Um, croquettes, you know, you have the, um, the Spanish croquettes, very famous. Um, like potatoes, you can get calamari. And if we move just a little bit further <laughs> along the map to Portugal, we find the same thing in Portugal. Uh, okay, it's it's not the same thing, please don't get mad at me, but it is almost the same thing, okay, to make you understand. In Portugal, tapas or their version of tapas uh, are called petiscos. And uh, again, it's the same concept. You buy these dishes, you know, they're small dishes and usually you have a lot of fish. Again, we are, you know, in the Mediterranean, of course, Portugal is on the Atlantic, so you will find lots of fish. So marinated sardines, anchovies, uh, Portugal is very famous also for their canned fish and especially for anchovies, you know, they love anchovies in Portugal and uh, if you go to Portugal, go to a supermarket, even just, just a regular supermarket and you need to have a look at the canned fish and buy some to take home because it is great. So usually they would have that along with octopus. We find the salted cod again. Salted cod is very uh, common in Veneto and is also very common in Portugal. If you've ever been in Portugal or you are from Portugal or from Brazil, um, I'm talking about bacalhau. Uh, we eat it a lot in northern Italy as well. So you see, I keep finding these similarities and it is so fascinating to me. And so you find these uh, either like crostini with uh, salted cod that it basically becomes like a spread. Or uh, in Portugal, for example, <clears throat> and I can talk about this a bit more in depth because uh, I lived in Portugal for a while. I did my Erasmus there in uh, Lisbon. And they also have cod croquettes. Uh, they're called pastéis de bacalhau and they are so good. <laughs> they are just, just imagine a, a perfect croquette. That it is like so creamy inside. It's like a cream of cod. <laughs> I don't know, it might... It might not sound appetizing the way that I'm describing it, but trust me, it is so good. Or you also have like cod fritters, uh, they're called pataniscas de bacalhau. Uh, and you have shrimps, uh, usually with lots of garlic, <laughs> they love garlic in Portugal. Lots of coriander or cilantro, however you call it. Um, in Portugal, in Portuguese cuisine, they use coriander a lot. So. Keep that in mind if you are one of those people that don't like coriander. Uh, I don't love it, so it was a bit of a problem for me when I was there. And also a, a type of dish that is very common in Spain and in Portugal uh, is uh, snails. Uh, both sea snails and like regular snails, I think. Um, uh, not my cup of tea, to be honest, so I've never tried them, but uh, it is quite famous. Um, and also like chorizo, you know, Spanish and Portuguese chorizo are, are different, but 
it's a sort of spicy or not always but you know <laughs> most times it's a spicy sausage uh, in Portugal they also have this thing where I think it's called chorizo bras if I'm not mistaken if I remember correctly uh, it's basically this chorizo that you can you like grill it at the table they bring it to you in like it's like a grill but it's made of like terracotta I think and they they pour they pour like alcohol I think in the bottom and they light it on fire and you grill it over that fire so it, it's not very safe um, but it is quite characteristic you know especially for tourists it's you know it's very nice to see it um, or you can just order it you know <laughs> grilled uh, chorizo very famous and also they have other kinds of sausages in um, uh, that are served in the same way for example in Portugal they have a lleira uh, I'm not sure about uh, what they have in Spain another similarity is like the omelette um, think about a Spanish omelette you know more that <laughs> visually uh, but they do have it in Portugal as well and also um, they have some uh, kind of a meat sandwich so in Portugal uh, they are very famous it's sort of like a street food they're very um, cheap um, they're called bifanas or pregos uh, prego is basically a steak sandwich and bifana is made with pork so it's uh, pork that's been cooked in wine if I remember correctly um, and you get it in a sandwich usually it is spicy and has mustard and it is very very cheap uh, bifana is like two three euros I think maybe you can find them even cheaper um, even in the center of Lisbon so it's you know it's very it's very nice it's very nice street food and it is very cheap so if you ever go to Portugal or to Lisbon uh, you can get a bifana they're very cheap and they're great <laughs> so of course what I'm doing now is only you know giving you uh, let's say a bit of a hint of everything it would be impossible to uh, explain everything in detail uh, first of all because I'm not an expert on it I you know I'm more of an expert not, not even about Italy guys I can only speak about uh, my own experience um, I am I have you know a little more knowledge about Portugal because I live there but you know everything I'm telling you uh, it's just to maybe make you a bit more curious and maybe make you travel, make you try something different. Uh, that's really uh, my goal. I would love that <laughs> for you. But now let's continue our journey and, you know, let's move along the map all the way to our last stop, <laughs> which is not really a country. It's more like half a continent, basically, but um, to the Middle East. Turkey and the Balkans you know it's a very large area but they share so many similarities that I did not know how to like <laughs> classify it um, it's so fascinating to me because um, the Middle East Turkey uh, Greece and the Balkans and even Eastern Europe they share so many similarities and so many differences as well of course but uh, as I was telling you at the beginning of the episode, it's just amazing to me how, 
you know, we all have the same dishes uh, or very, very similar dishes, but we we go about them in such different ways and we just, you know, see things in such a different way, even if they are the same. That's so fascinating to me. And especially in Europe, where um, Europe and also the Mediterranean, where we share a lot of history, a lot of culture, um, we basically colonize one another you know a lot of a lot of times so it is very like a melting pot it's always so interesting because um in like 10 countries you might have the same dish but just with with a different name or maybe made with a different ingredient um for example a dish that always comes to my mind is uh stuffed cabbage rolls um you know it's it's not it's nothing crazy but um it is a dish that is very uh, common like in eastern europe and in the balkans every time with different names or different variations different ingredients maybe but it's always the same concept the same base we also eat them in italy and if you go like uh, towards greece and turkey uh, you have stuffed grape leaves. So you have the same thing but made with another leaf, you know, grape instead of cabbage because of what is available, of course. And that's so interesting because it is the same thing but uh, adapted by different cultures with different, uh, you know, influences. And that's amazing to me. <laughs> and that's why I get so pumped about these things. The version of aperitivo in this area of the world that I want to talk about is uh, meze. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. I'm not sure. I apologize if I if I am. Um, but meze, I, I think it is becoming... It is quite popular, especially, I think, in the US. Um, I see it more, I think, because of the immigration, uh, probably. Um, Meze is it's basically the same concept of of tapas, you know, uh, again and again <laughs> it repeats itself. It repeats itself. Um, so it's always a selection of small dishes that are served as appetizers, basically. But I mean, <laughs> who eats after that? That's your whole meal, you know. Um, and uh, you can find meze in the Mediterranean, the Middle East. Uh, in the Balkans, in Turkey, uh, even in like Albania. It's really such a large area that it amazes me um, just how similar uh, many of the dishes are. Uh, Meze dishes are uh, a bit different from what I talked about uh, up until this moment. Um, And they are, well, most dishes I feel like are becoming quite famous. So you have hummus, of course, you have baba ganoush, uh, which is made with uh, eggplants. Uh, You have like falafel, um, uh, many kinds of salads like fatouche, tabbouleh, which are also quite famous. You have kebabs, uh, kofte or kefta or kofte. (laughs) You have so many names, which are, mm, let's say, meatballs. They're not meatballs, but... I hope I'm not offending anyone, but I'm just trying to explain these dishes to people that have never seen them before, you know, by using a more uh, common uh, example, you know, like meatballs. 
So let's say they are Middle Eastern meatballs, even if they are not. But, you know, just so we can understand each other. Um, then we have the uh, grape rolls. So uh, they are sort of like cabbage rolls, but they are made with grape leaves. They are very common in Greece and in Turkey. Um, and then you have other dishes made with beans, bulgur, you have labne. So all these spreads that are, um, you know, becoming quite famous, I think, even tomb. You know, the, it's a spread made with <laughs> basically only garlic. It's very garlic heavy. Um, and, you know, other meat uh, dishes like souvlaki, which is, it's not similar to kebab. It, it is like a skewer, just say, you know, souvlaki. Uh, very common in Greece. Um, so this is a bit more... You know, they give you a bit more substance, I think. You know, we should learn from the meze platters because, uh, you know, I think they know what's going on. <laughs> you know, I really, uh, unfortunately, I've never had the chance of having a real meze platter, um, even though I've been in the Middle East, but I've never had like the, the real experience and I would love to get it uh, if someone wants to invite me to their house. <laughs> um, and here again, we have the same habit of um, uh, eating these dishes uh, alongside some like traditional drinks. In, uh, in this area, we do not have spritz, uh, even though I'm sure nowadays they all have, you know, gin, gin and tonic, you know, and all the classic cocktails. But traditionally, um, the drinks that you would have with meze are... Uh, things you might know them if you're familiar with Greek uh, or Turkish food um, drinks like raki and ouzo so raki and ouzo are both um, anise flavors so you really have to like those mm, I'm not a fan to be honest because I, I really don't love anise flavored things um, but I didn't have them in their country uh, or countries of origin so you know I might have I might have had a bad experience uh, but you know it tastes like anise so <laughs> you know how different can it get uh, but if you like anise flavored drinks you will definitely love that uh, they are quite strong <laughs> in fact I I had them sort of like shots basically um, so it's not really a drink that you can uh, sip all night long uh, it is a bit different, but it is very interesting. And also they serve it. Um, I don't remember if it was, uh, I think it was Raki. Um, they served it to me in a very fun way. Like they lit it on fire, uh, if I remember correctly. And uh, I'm not sure if it's traditional, but um, it was very cool to see. And it's uh, such a different uh, experience, you know, from what I'm used to. So... Um, that's really something that I love uh, about experiencing culture uh, with food. And that wraps up our journey along the Mediterranean for today. Unfortunately, <laughs> I would like to know more uh, about every country in the world, really, every cuisine. But, you know, day by day, step by step, <laughs> we're getting there. And hopefully with this podcast, I can get even more uh, inputs and I can become more knowledgeable you know uh, that's hopefully we can all get uh, more knowledgeable you know and we can become 
uh, Foodies Without Borders. That's That was a really nice uh, placement right there. Uh, what I want to say just to uh, end this on a on a lovely note, I hope, um, is that um, this is a very nice example of how you can travel with food. Even just by researching for this episode, uh, I felt like I was traveling a bit because I was getting to know other cultures, uh, of course, in a very superficial way because I... I wasn't actually tasting the food and I wasn't experiencing it um, with the locals, you know, in the country itself. So it is different, but for now, that's what I can do. (laughs) Of course, in the future, I hope that I can travel all around the Middle East and Turkey and Greece and get some meze platters with the locals or I can go back to Portugal or I can go to Spain and get some tapas, some petiscos and just have fun and drink (laughs) with my friends and with the local people but for now you know even just uh, educating yourself on different topics and things you might not be familiar with um, is a very nice thing and I think we should all do it more and hopefully I can give you you know some inspiration and uh, make you want to travel (laughs) a bit To end today's episode, I wanted to ask you a question, and that is, what is your own version of aperitivo? I'm very curious about uh, what are your favorite things to like snack on uh, before your actual meal, or if you have your own version of meze, of tapas, you know, (laughs) that are are really a substitute for the meal itself. And just, what do you think about that moment? How does it make you feel? Because I, I feel very <laughs> emotional about that, but I'm weird, so, you know, it might be different for you. And I'm very curious about uh, what you think. So you can let me know uh, in the Q&A section on Spotify or over on my social media or on my website. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support me, please share the podcast or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram or TikTok at apinchavalli, or you can go over to my website, apinchavalli.com, where I post my own recipes and food content. That's all for now, and you'll hear from me again next week with a very interesting topic.